God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And, uh, you know, um, uh, we were looking at the uh, Rand Paul statement. And Rand Paul basically came out and said, you know, that uh, it's game over. Uh, case closed. The The whole thing is unconstitutional. And in terms of uh, the impeachment trial. And, you know, we kind of thought that. Joel Pollack said, I want every Democrat statement supporting political violence entered into the record at this impeachment trial. I want every riot listed, every victim named, every looted store identified. I want Pelosi and Biden and Harris called as witnesses. I want one standard for both sides. And that seems fair. Uh, there was a lot worse done by the left and still is done by the left in Portland and Seattle. Andy No has to leave the country. I mean, what kind of country are we living in when we have political dissidents that are being granted asylum in other countries because of the way they're treated by the Democrats? Hello, my Democrat friends. Well, why in the world are you supporting this? You know, you it's just unbelievable. I know these people for uh, years and years, and it, it just doesn't make any sense. They just make stuff up. And so it came out uh, about the, um, um, the uh, Rand Paul bit of business, and I thought, oh, great, okay. Trisha Flanagan, a Republican, New Jersey. Uh, she ran, I guess, for a, a congressional seat. I'm sorry. Uh, it says, breaking impeachment is dead on arrival. 45 senators vote. It is unconstitutional, more than enough to acquit. Senator Paul, it's been a dumb idea from the beginning, but 
We showed them today they don't have the votes. Everything from here on in is theater. The She spells it like I do, too, by the way. T-R-E, not T-E-R. Um, the impeachment is over. Okay, well, that's true. I think it is. I think that the impeachment is over. And this charade is over. If 45 people voted for it to be unconstitutional, then there's no way that they can vote. There's no way they will vote. So everything else we're going to see is theater. So let's let's go into this a little bit. Because Rand Paul weighed in on this, too. Um, and also, uh, there was also um, an article by the Gateway Pundit. Um, but basically, Chad, uh, Pro, Chad Pergam said, Senate votes to set aside Rand Paul's point of order, arguing the Trump uh uh, arguing the Trump impeachment trial is unconstitutional. The vote was 55 to 45. I guess what that means is 45 senators thought that this is likely unconstitutional. And we're going to get into a Jonathan Turley case here in a second. But um, Scott, as I just posted this and I wrote a reply to this and I said, Murkowski... Uh, so Lisa Murkowski, Ben uh, from Alaska, Ben Sass from Nebraska, uh, S- Susan Collins from Maine, Mitt Romney, Mitt Romney from uh, Utah, uh, are all rhinos. Murkowski, Sass, Collins, Romney. No, no, I have Sass there twice. It's uh, actually it's um it's five senators that. Uh, Senate votes uh, to set aside Paul's point of order, arguing the Trump impeachment trial. I didn't have the article in front of me. I got to get that article right here. So it says here, on Tuesday, Senator Rand Paul raised a point of order that the impeachment of private citizen Donald Trump is unconstitutional. Democrat Majority Leader Chuck Schumer then moved to table the kill or table or kill Paul's point of order. Schumer only needed a simple majority to vote to set Paul's point uh, of order aside. Okay. But you got to look and count those votes too, because those votes mean something. So the Senate voted 55 45 against Senator Rand Paul's motion. All right. So it says Senate votes to set aside Paul's point of order, arguing the Trump impeachment trial is unconstitutional. Five, yeah, five GOPs. I just got the names wrong. I wrote it down wrong. Um, it's it's uh, Senator Paul's argument that impeachment trial is unconstitutional. Collins, Murkowski, Romney, Sass, and Toomey. Toomey's the one I left off. So my apologies there. So it was Toomey. Now, here's the kicker for this. Because, see, this is what this organization we're starting uh, is all about. We're, we're assembling our board right now. And uh, we're actually going to file our papers uh, once we get back from our trip. Uh, And basically, we're going to be off to the races and MAGAPAC will be born. Um, So we have our license already. And uh, so we have the MAGAPAC bugle call license in the state of Virginia. And then we have uh, basically to to file our uh, our 
formal request to be a nonprofit with the IRS. And so we're assembling our board right now. And uh, it's, a, it's looking like a really strong board, too. So that's, that's, uh, it's going to be a very strong organization uh, with a lot of support from Team Trump. Uh, because there's two think tanks that came up yesterday as well. Think tanks that uh, support the Trump agenda, the America First agenda, which is exactly what we have been talking about for weeks now. Because that was, to me, that was where the important sweet spot is. Uh, if you really want to get things done, you got to go for the Achilles heel in the GOP party. And that is to fix the problem of rhinos in our caucus. That's, a, that's, a, that's what you have to do. And I hold Ronna McDaniel accountable for all of this. She lost bigly in 2018, which set the path for all the impeachments and the nonsense in the House with Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell and all these, uh, and Jerry Nadler and all these other losers, um, Max, Maxine Waters, all these other losers, right? So the idea is we are going to take the fight to the, to the weak link in the GOP, because we believe strongly that a third party is not the solution. It's a gift to the Democrats, and they would welcome it, as would we, Republicans, if we uh, saw the Democrats doing a fissure like that. So, no, we got to be the what the Freedom Caucus is to the House of Representatives is exactly what we need to be at the GOP. And Ronna McDaniel has got to be the biggest loser, the biggest loser. Because she had the horse secretariat. She had the fastest horse to ever live. She had the best athlete. She had the best politician. She had Donald J. Trump, the golden lion. And she couldn't, she couldn't pick up seats with a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. She couldn't rise to the occasion. She couldn't win with WinRed and all the funding that went into it, with all the millions of people that supported the Republican Party, she couldn't take that across the finish line. Now, to me, that's just an absolute disgrace. You know, it's sort of like, how could you lose? But she found a way to do it and called it a struggle. How do you get played? But she found a way with the government on her side and all these different things that she had going for her to combat against uh, dead people on voter rolls and, uh, and, and rigged election machines and mail-in balloting farces of, of uh, legal abuse and unconstitutional um, as executive orders, she could have fought back with the money that she had she could have fought back, and she didn't fight back. So I hold Ronna McDaniel, Mitt Romney's niece. I hold her accountable for the losses in 2018, which actually cost Kirsten Nielsen her job because DHS was responsible for the election integrity to a large extent. And I believe that Kirsten Nielsen lost her job as a result of her failures. But she needed help from the, the head of the GOP. You got a candidate 
like Donald Trump, his coattails were a mile long. He was the, the equivalent of a secretariat on the horse track. You can't lose. But, you know, secretariat did lose. And I remember watching that documentary about that. And if you listen to the people that were the owners of secretariat, they will tell you, they say, there's no, no, no reason why our horse should have lost. But we had a bad jockey that day. The jockey didn't do his job. The horse did his job, but the jockey didn't do his job. And so Ronald McDaniel was the jockey. And I mean, not, not the job. Well, she's the boss. And here's the thing. Uh, when it comes to that kind of thing, you got you to you wake up. You got to make some changes because we should never have lost. We should have gained record numbers. We had a rock star in the White House. We should have gained record numbers in the House and the Senate in 2018. And Trump would have had zero problems with, with the media and zero problems with the impeachment hoax, zero problems with the Russian hoax, because it would have been a shot across the bow. It would have been a, a, uh, basically a message delivered to the mainstream media that they're the ones that were out of touch. Not the MAGA country, not the uh, Q community, but it was the mainstream media that was out to lunch because they were the ones that were carrying the dossier football that was totally fabricated and fake and supported and aided and financed by not only the DNC, but the FBI and the CIA and supported up and down the pike. And here we are with this... Uh, situation from 2018 onward, but it started. It started in 2017 because that's where Eric C. Er, um, Eric C. R. the whistleblower's attorney, first said that there was going to be a coup started. That was going to involve uh, a bunch of lawyers from the Brookings Institution to wage havoc against the White House, ultimately impeachment. And that tweet is still active. This this attorney, Mark Zaid, who has a pension for little girls at Disneyland, is the guy behind this power play involving whistleblowers like Eric Ciaramella, super spies like Stefan Halper, and Eric Ciaramella's lover, Sean Misko, who's working for Adam Schiff. All of that came to fruition because of Ronna McDaniel's failures. So let's not lose sight and of this. And no wonder you then have people like Murkowski, Romney, Sass, Toomey, and Collins. Now, Collins just won. Now, of all those people, I actually give Collins the biggest pass of all, those five that we're talking about, because Susan Collins is representing the state of Maine. And, you know, even if you're a Republican, you almost have to bow down to the left up there because it's a liberal, it's sort of a liberal state. Sort of? I don't know. But she, she did her best to get reelected, and she's better than the Democrat that would have taken her seat. That's no doubt about it. Now, for, for someone like Lindsey Graham, who didn't vote this way, Lindsey Graham in South Carolina has a close race in South Carolina as a incumbent. Obviously, Lindsey Graham is not liked very well by many people. Obviously, he's fleecing America, and he's a fraudster. 
Otherwise, he would be winning in landslides in an uncontested. The fact we even have to put a rally or money into South Carolina is is a token of failure by Lindsey Graham. But Lisa Murkowski has no excuse. Alaska is a somewhat red state. And there's no excuse with her pedigree and what she brings to the table. She should have been able to uh, uh, do the right thing as a, as a Republican. She's obviously a liberal. And she's up for grabs in two, 2022. So MAGAPAC and Bugle Car are going to go after that seat. That's one of the targets on our list is Lisa Murkowski in Alaska. Now, Romney, I think Romney uh, won in 2018 and seeked the endorsement of Donald Trump, even though he said horrible things about Donald Trump. But in 2016, he said horrible things. In 2018, I don't know, I think he he was then trying out for the Secretary of State position in 2016. So that's why I know it wasn't 2016, it was 2018. So he's got four years, right? He's up for grabs in 2024. And then Ben Sass just won Throw all, all in Nebraska, of all places. Can't lose. But he's wrong for Nebraska, and he's wrong for Team Trump. And then Toomey, uh, Toomey's resigning. I think he's retiring. So there's not, no real going after Toomey, which is... Uh, oh, and Pat, Pat, thank you for saying that about Toomey. <laughs> so we don't like Toomey. Pat and I don't like Toomey. Toomey's a bad character, right? Um, He's just a rhino. So, you know, we got Toomey. We're going to take him out. But he's going to leave on his own. But you know what he's going to do? He's going to run for governor in the state of Pennsylvania. And we're going to make sure that he doesn't succeed in his primary. And again, you don't want that third party. You you, you You want to primary these people out. You want a strong primary. You want strong candidates in your primary. And that's what you want. Otherwise, you you know you have a messed up party. All right, so we're going to get to Jonathan Turley's, um, who happens to be a Democrat, but he wrote this article, the case against retroactive. And I said I was going to read this yesterday, but we didn't have time to get to it. The case against retroactive impeachment trials: a response to the open letter of scholars. This week, a group of scholars wrote an open letter endorsing the Constitution, constitutional basis for trying former. President Donald Trump in a retroactive impeachment trial. The letter contains many individuals who I know and respect. This is Jonathan Turley's talking. I encourage you to read their case for such retroactive impeachment. As I have said in this very column and posting on this subject, this is a close question, a a close close question upon which people of good faith can disagree. However, I would like to respond to the letter and offer a countervailing view. So at the outset, it is important to note that there is a precedent for such a trial. That was the case of William Belknap, which I will address shortly. It is also true that such cases occurred in England, as we have discussed in relation to the, to the uh, case of Warren Hastings. These cases show that impeachment was viewed as having a purpose other than removal. That is obvious from the fact that they were already out of office. Uh, 
Over 20 years ago, I wrote a law review article explaining how these cases reflect a desire to pass judgment on wrongdoing as well as to secure future disqualification. So now he goes to the however. However, there remain two important threshold questions for the Senate. First, whether a retroactive impeachment is a legitimate constitutional function. Second, whether a retroactive impeachment is a sound constitutional practice. The letter addresses both questions. While I still hold the same views on the history and value of these trials, I know now have reservations on both questions. I view the balance of the benefits and the countervailing costs of such trials differently. I am not alone in that view. So the constitutional text. So let's see here. Let's see if we can shorten this up just a little bit because it's a little long. All right. So again, if it is an argument that I raised in 1999, an official uh could clearly evade such punishment with a resignation. Richard Nixon avoided impeachment itself with a well-timed resignation. These scholars are arguing that Nixon could still have been impeached and removed after he left office. Indeed, there is no time limit to such retroactive. Well, I mean, the way I see it, too, is the remedy is to keep the person from doing more damage. But if the people want to elect that person... Um, then you have every right to, you know, you cannot deny it's a constitutional right to run for office. And so to be disqualified for political purposes so that you never can run again, I think that's a kind of an interesting thing there. So Nixon resigned, but that didn't mean that Nixon still couldn't have gotten impeached. And if he was impeached by the Senate, uh, but they chose not to. And they even got get, threw him a pardon. So it says, these scholars are arguing that Nixon could still have been impeached and removed after he left office. Indeed, there is no time limit. Okay, So that means also that we can impeach Obama. We can impeach in the Senate. Once we get a strong Republican Senate, if that ever happens, um, then what happens is we can impeach every single president we didn't like. We can impeach Carter for being dumb. We can impeach um, Obama for being a Muslim-sympathizing terrorist uh, that hates America. Um, there's a lot of things we can do. Uh, the House, all, all the you know, the House can do an impeachment. The Senate can do the trial, and they could make it so those people can never run again. Now, in the case of Obama, he's already run twice. He can't run anyway, so there's no remedy there. So this is the unique part is that Trump is a one-term president right now. He's got another term left in him. I guess that makes it for the unique because Nixon also resigned in his second term. So that's kind of an interesting little factoid there. Uh, and what are they afraid of, by the way? The fact that Biden gets more dislikes than likes on everything he posts? That nobody likes him? That he is just basically a rubber stamp? For Barack Obama, I believe that is the case. I believe that's the case, and I think that um, I think that he's just a puppet for um, China. And we said that yesterday, right? We said, you know, what are the odds of the Democrats who obviously hate America? What are the odds of the Democrats electing Barack Obama? 
the first Democrat president to run a serious campaign after 9-11, where they had a slight, slightest of chances of winning, uh, because they were running against no-name McCain, right? But what are the odds of them putting out a Muslim-sympathizing, American-hating, radical Islamic terrorist-supporting candidate like Barack Hussein? What are the odds that the Democrats do that in the first Democrat serious election post 9-11, where radical Islamic terrorists bombed our buildings, our Pentagon, our World Trade Center, and went for the White House or the Capitol building? What are the odds that they decide, I think it's a good idea to get an American-hating, not God bless America, God damn America, Reverend Wright supporting um, Muslim-sympathizing American apologist that doesn't want to ever utter the words radical Islamic terror because it might offend them. Right? That was Barack Hussein Obama. What are the odds that the Democrats, after that the first candidate after 9-11 would do that? And then, let that sink in for a second, and then I'm going to hit you over the head with another one. So we get this Chinese COVID virus. We get these Chinese that are these Chinese uh, people. And I'm about to get arrested, maybe, because if I say the word China virus, I might get arrested now. But the virus that came from China that plagued and killed thousands of Americans worse than 9-11, but as bad as 9-11, killed thousands in their attack. They released it. They negligently allowed it to get out of their country. They did travel bans for thee, but not uh, for the world. You know, they, they did travel bans within China, but they allowed that virus to spread around the world. And they benefited economically. Their market position right now is stronger than it's ever been in relative relative to other nations that are still struggling. And their biggest puppet, and I'm telling you, you can look this up in the dictionary. Go to Webster Dictionary, look up Chinese puppet, and there's a picture of Joe Biden there. All right, I, I kid. But the biggest puppet for China is Joe Biden. And what do the Democrats do? The Democrats, through hooking by crook, through election rigging and all kinds of weasel ways, get a no-name guy that can't leave his basement, can't fill three circles at a rally, and somehow they give him 81 million fake votes. And that's who they want, Chinese, Chinese puppet. So in the wake of 9-11, with radical Islamic terrorists blowing up our buildings and killing Americans, they, they get Barack Hussein, Reverend Wright's uh, boy, and uh, Muslim sympathizer, American apologist, and radi- uh, you, you're not allowed to say, you ban the phrase radical Islamic terror. Now you got Biden, where the phrase now has been banned, China virus. Yep, that's right. It's insane, but according to the Gateway Pundit, Joe Biden signs executive order banning the term China virus. Are you kidding me? What world are we living in that you get 
you're, you're violating law. So Joe Biden signed an executive order today, that was yesterday, that banned the term China virus. It's not clear how this will help with the pandemic. The coronavirus is widely believed today to have been created in a lab in Wuhan, China. This was one of the 37 executive orders in six days. So basically this person tweeted out, a dictator signs 37 executive orders in six days. Not a president. Whoa! Now there was 19 versus 1 for Trump in the first three days. 37? Wow, that's that's an unprecedented amount of executive orders. This is not this is this is a dictatorship. This is what happens when Brookings Institution think I use the word loosely, think tankers get together and try to censor their opposition. And they're doing everything they can to try to rig the next election. And how we let this happen is beyond me. But we need to put a stop to it. And if that means to enter the pearly gates and actually drag them out by their coattails or by their hair or by their ears or by their arms, we can't, we can't live like this. This wasn't the contract we signed. One of the first matters of business, I would say, is uh, to start our own patriot uh, secession, whether it's a an agreed upon secession or it's a secession. We don't have to do business with um, multinational corporations that sell us out, sell us down the river. We don't. We can actually start our own. We don't have to do business with Twitter. I'm not. I got uh, Telegram. It's t.me slash Scott Adams show and t.me slash red state talk. And I turns out I have two of them. It's t.me slash red state talk radio and t.me slash red state talk i don't know what i'm going to do with those i i'm going to keep one and throw the other one out or something i don't know i got to figure that out but in any case um apparently i must have set one up a long time ago and forgot about it now i'm using telegram every day and i'm posting every day on telegram and i'm weaning myself off of twitter um but i still use twitter a little bit There'll be a matter of days before I'm cut. I lost over 5,000 followers. Uh, They're purging every single day. Uh, And so it's just a really bad situation over on Twitter. So what? Fine. Move on, right? It's just social media. It's not life or death. So we just got to figure out our own way to communicate now Uh, and and try to elect congressional uh, uh, representatives that will actually address Section 230, probably one of the most important, uh, the second most important thing in our lives. The first thing is election integrity. And somehow the Supreme Court's going to have to pick that up and do the right thing with election integrity. You know, and that means uh, put, it, put a stop to, uh, or put a, put a limit or put a stop on mail-in balloting that's been so heavily exploited. Uh, clean up the uh, ro- voter rolls and v- uh, have more air address verification. Uh, that would pretty much make null and void about 20% of the voter rolls. If you, if you can't get voter uh, address verification, 
You know, I mean, there's a reason why it is. Uh, what's your address? Okay, this is the precinct you vote in, and these are the candidates you can vote for. I mean, it's old as the hills. This is old-fashioned, folks. <clears throat> you know, where, it depend, where you live depends on, you know, who you can vote for depends on where you live. Right? That's always been the way. You know, I live in, uh, I live in this town. Okay, these are your candidates. You could vote for the governor of our state. You could vote for the senator of our state. But this is your congressional representative in the House of Representatives. This is your state representative. This is your county commissioner. This is your city council members that you could vote for. You know, in Philadelphia, if you're in Ward 5 where I was, you could vote for certain people that represent those wards. It just makes sense. So we got we to gotta clean these things up. The Supreme Court, the federal courts have to get involved and oversee uh, some regulations with respect to election integrity so that the states can't just make up their own rules. And that's a really important thing. So this whole thing about Jonathan Turley's address, it's kind of long and convoluted because he's citing a whole bunch of old things. But his point is, his point is, is that uh, it's, it's unconstitutional because you cannot prevent a person from running for office. And there's no, pun- the punishment, so the, the, the two are paralleled with each other uh, with respect to this impeachment trial. So if you have 45 people Again, you had five rhinos. We just named them. Five rhinos supporting the uh, su- supporting the um, impeachment of Donald Trump, or supporting or suggesting that it's constitutional to do so. Uh, they need to check their constitution uh, because here, let's just get, let's just take a look at the constitution. Article one states the power of impeachment and trial are shared by the two houses, but limits the power of Congress by expressly stating that judgment in cases of impeachment shall not extend further than to, than to removal to removal from office and disqualification to hold and enjoy any office of honor, trust, or profit under the United States. And Article 2 says, contains the key impeachment provision and standards stating, the president, vice president, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Now, the fact that they would even have this impeachment, and the fact that you would have senators like Toomey and Collins and Murkowski and Sass and Romney think that somehow there's a legitimate case here, need only listen to the transcript, read the transcript of the speech. And then also compare it to all these other Democrats that have said things 10 times worse. You know, you just, it just has to you know, make you shake your head. So I, um, you know, I'm having some trouble today uh, with regard to uh, cer- certain things that I'm, I'm looking for. And I, I've posted on my Twitter and uh, I think that they've been taken down. 
And so it's a kind of a shame because, you know, I put together these things on my um, social media and uh, and then they just get taken down. And <laughs> and I'm looking for what I just posted and it's gone. It's disappeared. And this was the case where I had an audio clip that was pretty cool. Um, and uh, it's gone. So um, basically what it was was uh, that... Barack Obama wanted a puppet. So he wanted a puppet and he got a puppet. So Matt Gates, uh, let's see, I'm struggling here with it, finding that what I'm looking for, but let's just see what I can do here. All right. So I want to talk about the Democrat gaslight express. All right. So yes, the presidency was stolen from Donald Trump. Trump, primarily from phony, phony mail-in ballots introduced into a few key urban centers in pivotal swing states and counted with rigged machines. But that was only part of the plan. The people behind the silent coup also embarked on a massive propaganda deceptive campaign designed to keep Trump supporters chasing ghosts and dead ends. Entities such as QAnon and the Great Awakening are, in my view, only two of the more prominent examples of this information warfare. Anyone that has ever owned a puppy and taken said puppy to a rump in his own backyard or his or her backyard or the local park knows that what happens when a squirrel or rabbit shows up. The puppy is immediately distracted and runs frantically and futilely to try to nab the very critters squirrels and rabbits usually get away and the only positive outcome of this exercise is the puppy extended a lot of energy and will be ready to nap once back inside the house <clears throat> once your pet learns to associate the term squirrel with furry rodent that flees the scene and scampers up the nearest tree you need only say the word squirrel and your little hound will tear off chasing an imaginary squirrel. The Allies in World War II, in the months prior to the invasion of Normandy, concocted a brilliant scheme that essentially had the Germans chasing imaginary squirrels. It was called Operation Quicksilver. Quicksilver was a World War II deception operation conducted by the Allied nations. It formed part of Operation Bodyguard, a broad strategic military deception intended to support the Allied invasion of German-occupied France in July 1944. Bodyguard was designed to confuse, Operation Bodyguard was designed to confuse the Axis High Command as to Allied intentions during the lead-up to, uh, to the invasion. Quicksilver started with the creation of an imaginary army, the first United States Army group. This was accompanied by naming a real general, George Patton, as its commander and then employing a vast number of physical deceptions, such as inflatable tanks that, from the air, looked like the real thing. It also included producing radio communications and vehicle movement that normally would support the presence of a real army. But it was a lie. I regret being the bearer of bad news to my fellow Trump supporters, but we have been subjected to a similar deception operation both before and after the election. 
Unfortunately, President Trump himself and his advisors fell for this deception and refused to take the necessary action that could have saved the election from the highly, this highly organized, well-funded, and meticulous planned heist. And that deception operation continues full blast. Here's one recent example of the material I believe is part of a modern-day Quicksilver operation. And it says here, lies wrapped around the kernel of truth. I do believe that there are pedophiles in the U.S. government. I do believe that these will, people will be uh, go to any length to protect themselves. One clever diabolical way to buy such protection is to take the truth about pedophilia and blow it up to a monstrous level, miles of deeply buried tunnels. So since April 2019, in secret military operations, thousands of tortured, mutilated babies, children, and teens have been rescued or found deceased by the U.S. military. U.S. special operations teams directed by President Trump and his Pentagon Pedophile Task Force have been clearing out the children, corpse, gold, cash, and documents from a massive labyrinth of dumbs, uh, which are tunnels, deep underground military bases that ran beneath the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. Evidently, over centuries, the tunnels have been built and used by members of the Illuminati, better known as the Cabal or Deep State, global political and Hollywood elites into Satan worship were known to pay big bucks to drink the blood of traumatized child uh, known as adrenochrome, reported to create a high along the supposed reverse of aging, although it's if their supply was cut off, the partakers suffered greatly and could even die. So these tunnels running under the border of Mexico and the United States is not news. The drug cartels have been using these for years, but these tunnels are not hundreds of feet deep. Think about it for a minute. The Mexican drug cartels control billions of dollars and are willing to use their filthy lucrative uh, cash to help them continue to rake in the cash. So they're, uh, but we also know uh, that some of these tunnels also have been discovered and destroyed. So this person spent 24 years working with the special ops forces described in this article. Never a hint of such operations. There is process and procedure of conducting any special ops mission. In fact, uh, they worked specifically on exercises training U.S. special ops forces to attack deeply buried underground targets, but those missions had nothing to do with rescuing children. So what they're saying here is this, that they're gaslighting, um, they're gaslighting Americans into th thinking one thing and then selling another. So let's see how this ends. The concocted fable of deep tunnels controlled by the Illuminati cleverly takes real world truth. Tunnels used by Mexican cartels to smuggle drugs, cash, and people, and U.S. special ops forces undertaking top-secret special access program missions and wraps them into new layers of lies. But there is no magic involved. If such operations actually occurred, there will be written record. Do not forget the Nazis. So one of the most likely goals of this tactic is in such is such a deception campaign is to bait good, decent people who are sickened by such depravity to focus on this and ignore the 
more dangerous truth, the election was stolen by using fraudulent mail-in ballots and compromised machines that could be used to justify the mathematically impossible swing in votes that erased Trump's lead. This explains why the political officials in Maricopa County are resisting furiously efforts to compel them to produce the mail-in ballots and the envelopes. There should be an equal number of ballots and envelopes. If there, were, And there isn't. There just isn't. So what they're doing is they're creating all kinds of deceptions and head fakes. And I believe that's also what was going on with the infiltration within within our own party. They had people disguised as patriots and Republicans to create head fakes. And that's kind of a thing. You know, there was this one um there was this one really good YouTube channel I used to watch. And it was called Where We Go One We Go All. And he put a really good presentation together and what he did was he said there was this Hollywood executive, a younger executive, and this is a true story, where in the, the guy was in his 30s, and he was charged with pedophilia. He was going out with young, you know, something that would make um, Roman Polanski, you know, look like an uh, altar boy, right? And next thing you know, uh, what would happen is uh, he would... He would um, he was being charged with this, and he would. Uh, his only recourse was to defend himself. I didn't do it, right? He would say, "I didn't do it." Well, turns out then that what happened is, um, that wasn't enough. Surely you're going to lie, right? <laughs> of course you're going to lie. Hey, did you uh, rape that fourteen-year-old girl? Uh, no, I didn't. I I didn't do it, right? But no one's going to believe you. Because, you know, there's too many accounts of it. There's too many. And people aren't going to believe you. So what he did was he hired a PR firm. This is a true story. He hired a PR firm. And the PR firm then put together a bunch of Photoshop um, photographs of his arrest. And next thing you know, he's up against the wall. There's police. And they have this... um, like little news strip, and it made it look like it was a video, and it said Channel Nine, and and uh, and all this stuff with this image, and they showed it. But then they also made up some alternative versions of that, and they took photographs from him walking around his house, and uh, and doing some things that you know in his in, around his house. And they put those together, and what they did was they created this Photoshop of what looked like an arrest of this man on the news. But then what they did was they disassembled the layers of the photograph, and each one told a different story, which made the actual propaganda piece look like a hoax. So the PR firm photoshopped together a whole bunch of stuff that made it that that was a hoax they disseminated the hoax that was really bad press for their client the pr firm's client was the hollywood exec that was the pedophile and they put it out there they disseminated they beat him over the head with it and then next thing you know the guy comes out and two weeks later all these liberal um news outlets uh debunked it because the PR firm leaked the debunk to the press. And the press then carried the water of the PR firm. And 
once that happened, the guy said, see, I told you. I told you this was a farce. This was um, fake news. I told you that was a fake photo. I knew I didn't take that. I knew that didn't happen. And next thing you know, that person gets away. That person gets away with it because they've already debunked it. Now you go to Snopes and they're like, this has been debunked. This is this, this claim is false. This person's not a pedophile. We've debunked it. The photo came was original source from this and XYZ. First published over here. And then, uh, but if you look closely, there's a photo of him mowing his lawn and they somehow portrayed that as uh, part of the arrest. What I'm saying is, is that that is an old playbook. And there's been a lot of deception. A lot of so-called white hats became black hats overnight. And black hats became white hats. And a lot of these narratives that we're, we're, we're being spun around by, you know, we got to be careful of. And we just, at this point, we need to focus on the prize. And the reason why I started today talking about the impeachment is you got 45 people um, that are basically saying uh, that, yeah, I agree. I think that um, there's, there's a merit in the case that this is unconstitutional, this Senate trial. The Senate trial looks to be unconstitutional. So you have 45, um, uh, 45 people saying that. Why is that significant? Because in order to impeach, you need 60. So if you have 45 people, then you're only going to get 55. You see what I mean? You're five short. You don't get to 60. I think that's the story of the day. The reason why that's an important story, in my opinion, is because um, I think that it changes. It's very important in the way we go forward in the next four years, in the next two years, in how we strategize what we're going to do. Are we going to have a second Trump presidency? Are we going to have uh, Trump's coattails? Are we going to have Trump at the top of the ticket heading into 2024? Is Trump going to rally as the next president of the United States in 2022 in the election, in the midterm election? And how does that play out in terms of us taking back the House and the Senate to prevent packing of the Senate, to prevent packing of the court, to prevent the destruction of our republic by the Democrats? Because we know that that's what they want to do, right? We just explained to you that they hired in a, radical Islamic jihadi terrorist in Barack Hussein Obama, some Muslim sympathizer that didn't allow people to say radical Islamic terrorism. And now you got another crazy dude that's the puppet of China that won't let you say Chinese virus. If you do, you get locked up. He signed an executive order yesterday saying that. You can no longer, it's illegal to say China virus. Well, I just said it. What are they going to do? Break into my studio? Lock, lock me up and make me pound rocks for the next 20 years like Jean Valjean from Les Miserables for stealing a loaf of bread. It's crazy what's happening with this left-wing socialist Nazi party. And that's what they were. Now, you know, um, Hitler was a socialist. He was a communist. 
He was a dictator. And that's exactly what we're seeing play out with Joe Biden, who signed 37 executive orders. It's unprecedented. Nobody signs 37 executive orders. And I mean nobody. It's like not not in six days. So Joe Biden is the puppet of China. And they're selling out the China. And they're also erasing the evidence. And this has got to stop. We got to do better. Biden orders to stop Trump's border wall construction uh, uh, will be costly and also it's likely illegal. That's one. Number two, Texas won their case, by the way, with respect to the immigration issue uh, where uh, Biden wanted to halt for 100 days the deportations. Um, And I think also the, um, well, the deportations, but also the... um, release of of these people from their detainment uh and so the, the courts ruled that that was unco- uh, they ruled against biden in a sense so basically that they put a halt to that so even biden is pushing the envelope with respect to the limits of the law uh, in favor of non-americans see he's an anti-american it's america last The Paris Court puts America last. The only reason why people want to be, want America to be part of the Paris Accord is because of the whole concept of redistribution of wealth. The uh, cash cow, when you have the richest person, when you have a group, like say you have a group, you have a group and you have the richest person at the top of the group and you have the poorest person at the bottom of the group and then you have a whole bunch of people in the middle What's going to eventually happen is you have um, this redistribution. The person who's going to benefit the most is the poorest person in that group. And the person who's going to benefit the least, more than likely, is going to be the richest person in that group. Well, America is usually the richest person in the group, richest country in the group. And so all these other developing nations uh, get huge windfalls. NATO, for example you know, protects Europe, but yet we're the biggest cash cow for NATO. And that doesn't seem fair either, does it? So, you know, it's a disparity in equity. Yeah, or there, I mean, it's an equitable arrangement, and there's a disparity between the people who benefit and the people who don't. And it's a widening gap, just like the poor, the rich class and the poor class yeah, under COVID have, you know, expanded, that the gap has expanded. Because that's what happens in socialized, dictatorship, draconian um, systems, is you have the haves and the have-nots. Alvin Toffler, by the way, look him up. He had this book called The New Wave, and he talked about the disparity between the rich and the poor and how under new systems of technology that, that would grow and expand. It's not healthy for a society. But that brings us to the end of our show today. I know it's been a little bit scattered today uh, because I didn't have all my notes in the right place or things got deleted. But in any case, you've been listening to The Scott Adams Show, and we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye now. Grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper Just to bury my kids right up to there